Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 96 of Death Readers. Yeah. The podcast where we're reading through books for the first time. Ish. Well, as I am, in this episode, we're finishing Ready Player One. This is the book wrap party for Ready Player One. We're reviewing chapters 32 through the end of the book. So, if this is your first time listening... Book wrap parties just come and go so quickly these days. Now that we're through the... The the Dead the Sea tomes. Scrolls of of Harry Potter. <laughs> yes. Um. That yeah. We're it's a lot easier to get through oh them. Oh my god! Um, it used to be months. Seventeen episodes. I like these four yeah. episode and books. It, and it, these they nice. wouldn't be it wouldn't be that interesting. It would just be like, I mean, I guess it would, but it was still like yeah. we'd it was just in, like oh, it we'd felt so sloggy where you're like, oh my god, I don't care about Neville's navel. Move on. If this is your first time listening. This is what the whole show is. It's just a bunch of just a bunch of this. Whatever you want to call this, a it's little bit just of this. this. Susan of it's this. Mostly this. No. Yeah, but this is this is Scotia this. No, this is just it's saturated in this. It's broiled sure. in this. But just avec this. No, 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 no. You don't understand. It's breaded. Oh. And 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 I'd say it's more of a cornstarch dredging of this. So I feel like that's what the problem is, is that you're saying that and I'm saying, no, it is <laughs> marinated in this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's infused. It's gastronomically extracted, reformed, and then calcified okay. <laughs> as this. A light airy foam has been whipped up with some liquid nitrogen and it's just, you know, just, just, Dollop done of this. <laughs> and then it's frozen in the shape of a balloon. <laughs> which you can cut mm-hmm. and eat. Which mm-hmm. I know is a bit of a trip. Uh, but yeah, it's just this. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's this on a stick. <laughs> oh, fuck you. Oh my god. I did not know you were going to be throwing down the fucking gauntlet this early you piece of shit (laughs) I worked so hard I worked so hard to bring myself back from the precipice just try to claw my way back to some semblance of sanity and you throw the shit in my face So it's this. Yeah, it's just this. It's just going to be a lot of this. A lot of, like, deep-fried, stir-fried, bok choy this. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to go through these chapters page by page, take notes, and talk about them together. It, we, we like to suggest that you go back and reread these chapters or read the book and then listen to us so you can have us as sort of a companion piece. And then you can understand what we're talking about because we're just going to get right into it as if You've read it because we've just read it, so we both are very familiar with the work. So, and you can probably get a copy of this book at your local library or a used bookstore before you go to a large online book retailer and pay way too much money to make an already insanely rich man richer. Yeah. I say, take that same money, either keep it, spend it on something else, by going to a library, or go to a used bookstore, support either a local company or a local group, your neighbor's 
give them some money to read a book, and then maybe you could even finish it and go sell it back to them. Yeah, borrow it from a friend. Yeah, borrow it from a friend. So at the end of this episode, we're going to pick the next book, a book that Rob has no idea about. He doesn't know what it is. He doesn't even know what the options are because the way we do it here is we make it random. So we're going to take a small selection of books that I've curated. We're going to roll a die live on the show. And whatever the result is will be the book we read next. So let's get into the final chunk of Ready Player One and start with chapter 32. I have a summary. Okay. Parzival reunites with H, Shoto, and Artemis and updates them on what's happened since he went AWOL. Parzival then lays out his plan to assault IOI and the Sixers with the help of every gunter in the Oasis. When the group shares with each other their mutual concerns about their newfound physical displacement, Ogden Morrow pops into existence and offers to help. The conversation they're having is all in H's basement hideaway, whatever you call it, clubhouse. And so the idea that Ogden Morrow can pop in like that is uh, alarming in the moment. We'll get to that, though, because that's not until chapter 33. It happens at the very end of 32, but yes. Talking about the hows and whys and wherefores is 33. True. I don't have any notes in this chapter. What would you like to say? Just is Og a literal deus ex machina? Yes. Okay, well, that's that said, then. He's also a uh, espirita de machina. What? He's like a ghost in the machine. Like, he's a... Yeah. Did I say that right? Oh. Well... Because the first word sounds Spanish. What's spirit in... What's ghast? What's ghost in in Latin? I was shooting in the dark, but, like, I thought it was a good shot. Spiritu? Spiritu Santi. Right. Sancti. Sancti, my bad. As in holy. Yeah. Sanctified. Holy Spirit. That, that's where I got That's totally where I got Spiritu. it. So that's So it's pretty, it's pretty basically what you said, but you just said it. Spiritu yeah. ex machina. Spiritu ex machina. Yeah, maybe. Unless there's some conjugation happening, you know, those Latins. Suck on that, Wade, in your fucking convenient Latin. Lutos. 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 And then it clicked. School? Um. Okay. That's it. That's really. That's about it. It's a lot of talking, a lot of Artemis having a huge chip on her shoulder because Wade peeked at her file. Um. Which I get, but didn't have too much sympathy for because, yeah, you would have verified that the information was legit before you sent it on. Yeah, or know. or how much? Like it would not not just legit, but like also how urgent. Do you need to act on this stuff? Like, do you need to rush out and go immediately to a place to, to does he need to accelerate his plan like he did because they could kill her today? Um, right. that, I mean, it's, there's a certain part of it that does feel kind of like a YA novel. It does have this feeling of like, oh my God, this is like very like young adult problems. Look at these people being emotionally unreasonable or like reactionary instead of thoughtful and empathetic. But then again, that is the purview of the young adult. So, but it's these realistic. I, I mean, no, I I guess that that's but 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 I'm not is what I'm saying. So, from my perspective as the reader, that my my reader's perspective, I guess I should say, um, 
because I, I wouldn't want to presume to represent all readers. Mm. Um, it 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 has a tinge of obnoxious youth, like like I'm too impatient for that shit right now. Mm. Like get on with it, right? So that that's how I felt with some of that stuff. Where Artemis is like, you didn't, you just had to look, didn't you? And it's like I don't know how to read that. I don't know what the inflection's supposed to be. It just sounds irritating. Mm. Fair. Uh, nothing else in this chapter? Nothing at all. Let us jump into the next. Chapter 33. All right, here's that summary I got for you. Og explains that he and Halliday have super user access to the Oasis, which gives their avatars the ability to access private chat rooms without permissions. He then offers each of the remaining High Five the opportunity to travel to his mansion in Oregon to safely battle against IOI in their final battle. They each agree... Artemis and Shoto fly, fly privately, but H and Parzival will have to travel together. H picks up Wade at the video game salon or whatever the fuck they called that place um, and drives and drives them to the airport. All the while, they come to terms with each other's actual appearances and identity. At this point, it is revealed that H is a woman. She explains her backstory about being kicked out of her home for being gay. All all of which seems to strengthen their relation, her relationship with Parzival. They arrive at Og's mansion in Oregon and get suited up for the final battle. Parzival takes this opportunity to ask Og why he and Halliday stopped speaking. Og reveals that it was James Halliday's jealousy of Og and Kira's relationship that drove them apart. So where would you like to start with talking about this chapter? I'd like to talk about... Og's super user powers. Do I get credit for calling it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you totally do. I, I mean, your, cover- your 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 deductive reasoning was pretty great too. Okay, I was the gonna say you're hope- like yeah. it could be these three people, and this is why. I'm like, oh, okay, damn. Yeah, I mean, it was. Yeah, I felt like I did a pretty good job covering my bases there, but like it. I mean, obviously, most science pointed to Og, but but it was, yeah. it was just it was it was good. Yeah, you're good. Uh, but but I think that for me, the, there's a red herring, like you mentioned earlier. You didn't say red herring, but the the concept of Iraq being way less significant in the book. Oh yeah. Um, I didn't want to ru- you know totally ruin that for you in case it offered any kind of right. No, safe I appreciate harbor that. of surprise. But yeah, he's not there at all. Right. So I had to like. That's why I had to cover my bets there because I'm informed by the film that he in the film he's a much bigger character, uh, right. has a much larger role, and it seems like he uh, was in any way significant in that movie, but he isn't in the book. So mm-hmm. just giving a chance that it could be him. But yeah, uh, it seemed like Og was the right choice, and again, like in the in comparison to the movie, he in the movie he plays the curator and he's present throughout the film whereas he isn't really present and there's no curator character right uh, i think that's sort of like maybe he just give way gives wade the coin because i guess he deems him worthy they make no they make a they have a brief little bet they have a tiny little oh, insignificant oh, bet. oh you're right you're right you're right i just remember the flip flipping of the coin yeah you're right there was a bet it was it was silly um but i think it's like a mix of like mixing up the uh max headroom character with i could see it og in the book into this one character of the robotic assistant 
mm-hmm. character in the movie. Um, anyway, besides that, you want to talk about his access? Yeah. Um, it, it kind of, I, I like half wrote a note and then started paraphrasing and I'm like, I should just read the actual highlight. Okay. So basically on the first page of chapter 33, Artemis says, and th- this just, dare I say it felt like bad writing? <clears throat> no, I don't think so. Okay. This feels like bad writing to me. You'll have to let me know if I'm way off base. Artemis. Okay. With all due respect, sir, Artemis said, you didn't answer his question. How did you gain access to this chat room without an invitation and without any of us even knowing you were here? Fine. Okay. The response. Forgive me, he said. I can see why this might concern you, but you needn't worry. My avatar has many unique powers, including the ability to enter private chat rooms uninvited. I can see why this might concern you, but don't worry about it. I can basically do whatever I want, is what he said. Mm. That what? That's not how a sane person speaks. Well, okay. L- allow me to I can play. See, I can see that this might bother you, but don't worry. I'm secretly under your bed. What? I think that it's poorly written because I think that the, the, the element of this that is based in reality is that people who code the personal communication devices we're using, like we're using right now. Sure. Like we're we're doing this through FaceTime. Anybody mm-hmm. who works at Apple could or our cell phone companies or whatever, in theory, there could be ways that they could monitor this conversation, that they could monitor this. Arguably. Stuff. Sure. So um, the Oasis should, in theory, be no different uh, in that someone should be able to access your account or, or visit your areas uh, with under the guise of, you know, needing to. Uh, make sure quality controls in order or do adjustments. Oh, hey, hey. But that's not what's explained in the book. And that's where I think it becomes bad writing. It, I think that's my problem. Right. And, and of course, I, I take what's written and I'm like, well, I have to create a character out of this. And that character is now a creep, confusing, a creep and kind of schizophrenic. Yeah. Because the first part of his sentence does not jive with the second part of his sentence. Yeah. It's not cool. It's uh no. It's very voyeuristic in a way that it sounds like someone who's justifying being a voyeur would do. Like, yeah. like, hey, um, so I noticed that you installed a video camera in my bathroom fan mm-hmm. to like, and it seems like that's feeding to a computer or a recording device that you've, uh, you're recording. And then, oh, no, 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 that's okay. It's my apartment. And you're like, what? Well, <laughs> this, th- those are two different those are separate <laughs> problems. Uh, yeah, it's like it's like you own this place, sure, but you don't own my privacy. You don't, it doesn't give you access to, doesn't give you the right to invade my privacy without asking. Catch the movie the, Sliver now streaming on HBO Max. Is that the problem you basically have with it? Uh, I mean, just just that, or is it I the rationale? It's... Is it like you can accept he's a creep, but like the way he explains it doesn't work? The way he explains it is trying to offset the creepy factor while also underlining the creepy factor. I mean, yeah. I think it might, it, it's, I feel like it's just the writing because, but because if he didn't say, I can see why that might concern you or then qualified it with for super user access, you know, coding purposes, some way where he made it less creepy, but he just circles right back around to, we are back where we started with your worry being valid. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 a it's a it's sort of like a a paradoxical pothole. Yeah, uh, or it's, it's, it's just, like missing or it's a just, step when you're walking down, you know, 
the stairs <laughs> or three. Um, it's uh, like the president did. Oh, I've only heard about that. I didn't. Okay. I haven't seen it. I thought you were yeah, making a topical that. reference. Is, it's not is he okay. Be, I mean, he's an ancient man. Um, I don't know if he's. I don't know how to qualify. Okay. I wish he would stop doing stuff like that. I wish he wasn't as old. I wish that with the Democrat. It doesn't fucking matter. We're not talking about this. Um, the. I wish that there was a way that he could have that he had could have said like, "Listen, I gotta say, you guys are amazing. The, the you're so exciting and interesting to watch, and I couldn't pass up the opportunity to have my own like sneak peek at the action. Nobody Fly on the wall. See. Yeah, yeah, I just I in the room I, where it happened. I'm so yeah, exactly. I'm so sorry, guys, but like you have to understand, this is so momentous. My whole life has been leading up to these moments, and even though I'm not directly involved in your adventures. I mean, you, you're the guys. You're the guys who are going to make it. And I just, I wanted to see it. Yeah. I wanted to see it really happen. Like, something like that. Sure. I would have I I felt better about. Right. Than him just being like, yeah, whatever. I just do this. And it's like, what else do you do? <laughs> if you have. Exactly. If, if your justification is is uh, centered in your agency and, and ability to do something versus your why you're doing it then that sounds like something a sociopath would say like i did it because i could is predatory stop me right right um anyway uh my next note's about the gun do you have a note while wade's still in his uh chamber um no i just there's the gun again uh and at this point, I said, I can't swear to it, but I'm pretty sure it doesn't come up again. Um, Chekhov is rolling over in his grave. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. I mean, we, we it's it's hard to say when is the right time to talk about this. Is it to talk about the last time the gun's mentioned, or is it the right time to talk about it when there's no more opportunity for the gun to be mentioned? Um, I think, I think it's bring this it up moment. now. Yeah, yeah. The, the so yeah, Chekhov's gun doesn't go off, and it's one of those, why? Why I write mean, this into this situation? To... He wanted a social commentary on where he thought the future might be going and how prevalent guns and gun access would be. And with the this you know the stay of the gun being coded to his hand, but also having a twelve-hour cooling-off period. I get that, but then does nothing with it. And I feel like you had so much world building at the beginning of the book. You could have used another three sentences there if you wanted this in there. But you made a whole thing about him wasting time out on the streets. I would not want to be out on the streets of uh, Columbus. Columbus in the in the in the dirty future of you know horribleness. I would want to get out, go get my clothes, get into my data place as quick as possible. Um, not go to shady places to buy a gun where people are probably like an ATM, you know, casing that. Like, oh, he hasn't got his gun yet. Let's mug him now. He's buying a gun. Clearly, he's got something worth having. It, 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 it's this whole weird little divergence that goes. It's a vestigial divergence. I mean, I, I it could also be like I, I. Part of me wonders how much of and I don't, this isn't. I don't know how to why where this comes from in my questioning, but part of me wonders if Ernest Klein's a bit of an asshole, like, and if if in that way he like he sees an opportunity to sort of like in a very 
childish and juvenile antagonistic way say fuck you to the concept of Chekhov's gun and like think of it as one of those nerdy personal victories that actually write, did occur to me to, to write yeah. in, in uh, the gun mm-hmm. into his novel and then never have it go off as a middle finger to the concept I on I swear I, I didn't articulate that but that did occur to me too like is that what he's doing is yeah. it just like <laughs> I don't have to write about it right huh because the thing about Chekhov's gun is it's a it's 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 a rule, but it's also kind of a metaphor. Like it's it's not just about a gun. The idea is yeah. it's about any it's the idea about remove everything that's not essential to your story. So sure. therefore, if you do introduce something, make that something pay off. Right. So so whether it's a gun or whether it's a stolen key, whether it's a uh, alimony payment, something like that, like some function of an event or an item has purpose in the narrative and include Mm -hmm. that that's why you don't have to see characters go to the bathroom in sitcoms you don't have to see like people having existential dread unless that's part of the story you don't have to see all these like normal people things that happen um you can do your character building and set dressing like yes how the 40 year old virgin had a mystery science theater 3000 the movie poster sure or how you like can have like, if you're watching something like Friends, you can have the characters do something one time ever. I'm not, I don't have a good example. I've never really watched that show. But you can have them all do something one time, and therefore that informs the entirety of every season that presumably they do that thing again intermittently in between right. the frames or in between right. the scenes. So, but that's on a serial level. In a novel, like, that's the thing is like if you're doing it the way Chekhov advises is you are making it slim and therefore powerful – Mm-hmm. Um, it's like it's like I probably couldn't like put it this way I couldn't punch through a balloon but if I took a needle I could pop a balloon because I've rem- like the, the smaller the more, Ant-Man equation the, yeah the smaller more powerful thing or more pointed more more streamlined sharp thing can burst through your attention span harder than just like a, a big mass of of shit. Mm-hmm. Um. So, uh, yeah, I'm 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 I think I'm gonna go with that. That's gonna be my my personal uh mythos. My Ernest Klein mythos is that this is a fuck you to Chekhov's gun. You can't tell me how to write. Yeah, which is hilarious considering how bad the reviews for his other books are. Um. <laughs> Uh, let's uh, see what else we got in this chapter that we might want to talk about. H and H's backstory. Yeah, let's talk about that. You want to talk about that? I don't have much to First say. First of all, uh, Helen Harris, another alliterative name. Yeah. Um, her backstory of being... Oh. <sighs> H's backstory, as I remember it, is like this. When the Oasis happened, her mom a black woman decided it was one of the best things that could ever happen to black people because she could create a white avatar and get more. Was it work or just like business that way? It was the idea that the, jobs. You, no, what you get is you get white privilege. You get the, the default, all the invisible benefits that white people just get and don't realize they're getting mm-hmm. that are invisibly, de- well, seemingly invisibly and sometimes not so invisibly denied to non white people. Sure. You just, in theory, her theory is that that would translate through the avatar system 
And so as long and as you seems... still met that, and you would just get, you inherit white privilege. Sure. And it seems to work for her. And then as a result, they make a white avatar for H to go to use to go mm-hmm. to school, etc. And then when H comes out as a gay woman on her 18th birthday, she's kicked out of the house. Mm-hmm. And the way it's written is, I guess my mom had some prejudices too, or something like that. And it... Yeah. I don't think I had a problem with that line because it sounds like something a teen or 20 something would come up with to say, it doesn't bother me. Um, it did feel a little pat, a little after school, a little nineties. Yeah. A it, little not developed. Yeah. It, it, to, to me, it felt out. It just didn't, it didn't, it was all done so quickly that I, I have to give yeah. that like some credit, like fine. I, this is not the most important part of the story, I guess. But like, there couldn't have been some other reason she was kicked out. Like, that's my problem is that there's all these like hot button social issues that are always the reasons for these things in his, in this book. And, and I like, don't want to at all say that that kind of social issue is not still happening. That oh no, teens are still sure. absolutely being kicked out, driven from home because they're not conforming to some preordained idea of what they should be: uh, sexuality, gender, what have you, religion. I'm sh- I absolutely believe 100 percent that happens. <sighs> but there's something very flat about this portrayal of it. And it's 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 it just I feels have more than that. No, it feels to me, and I don't want to. This word's a hard word to use, but it just kind of feels lazy. It feels like he needed something that could punch, that could feel like people would go, "Oh, obviously that's something I can relate to," as opposed to actually thinking through what works with the rest of the part of the story he built. Yes, I think this uh, <laughs> this to me at the moment feels like. He came across this story in his youth, mm. whether in a very special episode of an 80s or 90s sitcom, and used that as opposed to talking to someone in 2008 when he was writing this and having a modern, nuanced depiction of this event. Even if he shortened it down to a couple of sentences or paragraphs like it's done here, that's how I mean it feels flat. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Like he's, he's calling out, which is basically whole cloth for him because he has no experience with this, even if it's secondhand. You're saying it's like hearing someone regurgitate an SNL bit the next day. Like, like they'd yeah. be like, like they're like, like they tell the joke perfectly, but it, you can tell it's not theirs. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I was like, I know that I, I, it's that thing where like, I've seen the movie, so I don't know how big of a hit this would have given me if I had not read the if I had not seen the movie and not known instantly that that was going to be the reveal. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to, like, it's hard to predict that for myself, which is lame, but do you think it, do you, okay. As a filmmaker, try to get in the head of Spielberg. Would it be too much of a lie to have this character for 80% of the movie be presented with one voice and then have it revealed to be a totally, like, like a totally different person voicing that character and then have it revealed to be that actress with her actress voice. I think Yes, and I think the problem is that the voice adjustment technology had wasn't good enough. Whatever they did, whoever they had doing that work, wasn't good enough to actually make it sound like a man talking. Right. They just made it sound like a, a, a lower modulated woman talking. 
Right. And I don't have a better way of describing that because I, I know that I'm just essentially describing uh, it sounds like I'm describing gender or assigning gender to decibel levels or something, which I'm not. No, I, I, I mean, just because you don't have the vocabulary, I get what you're saying, and I don't think it's well. Because I also think it was a mix of another thing. It was the other mix of like they clear, they seem to mocap her face. True. And so I think and they did Spielberg's that Avatar big into thing. Yes. So I think they did the yes. Avatar thing where they put the Avatar filming helmet on her, probably. Yeah. And yeah. then put a bunch of dots on her face and had her act out the performances so that the and that would that would have needed her inflection and the way she her measured tones and things and that's to be modulated and that's where i think it, it, it like that's where it went too far is that you can see this other person in the animation and mm. that person's clearly female right um i don't know what makes it so clearly i don't have a, i wish i could explain that better it's just like it's one of those things that as, as soon as i heard it i was like hmm well i mean have you heard that we do like 50% of all the learning we will ever do by the time we're six. No, I haven't. Because we're just taking in everything from our environment. Right. And so those are senses that you might not have names or words for, just telling you this is a woman. Yeah. Or this is not what it appears to be, if you want right. to. Right, there's, there's something more off, of a off about finer this. point on it. Right. There's some, it's like, it's like what in, 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 cg or, or whatever you'd call the uncanny valley like mm-hmm. it's this mm-hmm. something isn't right like this right. this is supposed what you're to be... presenting me is not true and right. i'm not fooled i right. can't suspend disbelief right um and that happened and i wish i and some of those things i maybe maybe the next book we read will be a book that i haven't seen the movie of maybe not sure. but like Ooh, it's it's books it's possible that like you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to that again eventually to see it. Like, like that's kind of what it was like for Tarzan. Like, I had seen the Tarzan movie, but it that they're different enough. You know, who knows? Anyway, um, I I kind of I was trying to read it though. Like, I was not like I was reading it for the first time. Like, I hadn't I didn't know about H and tried to like read her the descriptions of how he walks in into the RV, the descriptions of the RV, the descriptions of how she was like sitting sort of white knuckled on the on the the steering wheel like terrified like clearly very uncomfortable with how he was going to react um and i liked the way that i kind of liked the way that was written because i liked the i liked how she was very vulnerable mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I, and i liked how she was also sort of like also sort of gung-ho like she was that like like he describes like the fearless you know you know brawler in the oasis who's like she is that tough, but she doesn't want to lose her friend. Right, exactly. She, she it's it, conveyed it, and it's, it's done well. It's I, I really like reading it, and I really like the part following that where Wade's trying to get to know this person, and then clicks, "Oh my god, this is my oldest friend. I already know her." That was really cool. Yeah, and then it's like it takes an hour or so, and then they're they're in it. They're into their interactions like they normally would because they are friends. Right. Yeah, it was interesting. It was it was an interesting study on. Uh, digital relationships and how they could how they might happen in the real world that felt like something Ernest Klein probably experienced like mm-hmm. that f- f- when reading it did kind of feel like it was something from his own life as opposed sure. to talking about somebody else's story um i remember when <laughs> so this is weird um but i remember when i was in middle school or like almost in high school i think it was like the summer after i got out of middle school before i went to high school or like the summer of freshman year or something a uh, very very good friend of mine had met a girl 
he met a girl online from a Harry Potter chat room. That's how far back this is. And they developed some sort of, like, online friendship. And it turned out she was from Ireland. Which, of course, you think, bullshit. Not. Not Irish. No way. That's a that's a thing that someone's saying when they want to feel exotic. Because no one's really from Ireland. And, uh... And, uh... And this is just, a like, a trap. Something Something's off here. And then, like... They became really good friends. And then, suddenly, he was like... Hey, do you want to go with me to the airport? She's arriving. She's coming to visit. Also, we're kind of dating. And it was like, yes, I, <laughs> I do want to go to the airport to see to see what this becomes, because there's nothing I want more right now <laughs> than to see how this plays out. Um, so we went. And I remember it was like, I mean, I'm like 15, 14. Like, sure. we go to the airport and we're looking around for this person. This flight comes in and, like, we had seen, like, pictures of her. Like, pictures that were, again, it's that thing where it's like, this is what she's supposed to look like. Right. And we get there and then, like, and then there she is. She's this pale, strawberry blondish Irish girl who has an Irish accent and everything and is, like, it's just this hangs out comes over and spends some time like hanging out with us and like being friends and it was one of those things where like you i realized at the time it was like like it was one of those things i had to struggle with it was like are they really like dating like what does that mean it was that whole like growth experience for me to like comprehend the the realities of the world we were living in now like i, mm-hmm. I was growing up into and through but that was it in its time its own nascent thing this sure. idea that like people can have personal relationships that start digitally that, sure. that are initiated and in, it's legitimate. In, yeah. And it's legitimate. It, 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 it initiates in a cyber realm and then that those people can meet and can establish uh, relationships um, that are, that are more physical, that are more like, like I said before, real. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, it, it's a, it feels in, I mean, at the time it felt intense, but it, even in retrospect, it feels crazy. Like it's such an, it's such an exciting and like, like, oh, just, just thrilling kind of thing. So, and by the how, way, I'm pretty sure it was Christmas time. I'm pretty okay. sure it was Christmas time. So it felt like this weird sort of like Christmas thing. And I, I can remember thinking like, you know, I'm probably never going to have a Christmas present, like some foreign person coming to visit me for, you know, Christmas. So it was, you know, I'm not going to say there wasn't a little bit of jealousy there, but it was also sort of like, it, it was, again, it, the, the present I did get was the experience of how novel and, ex, again, like exciting and, and... A new awareness of the world around you. Yeah, like, because it was just like, like wow, I, like, I, I got to, I think that was the thing, is like, I remember at the time feeling like a prejudice against people who dated online. Like this absolutely. feeling of like, absolutely. This is lesser. This is a joke. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. This is, this is, mm-hmm. in, this is invalid. It's, it's like, it's not a real relationship. It's an online relationship. It's like, and, it was like one you, step away from having a Canadian girlfriend. It was that. Oh, thing absolutely. Where it's, like, it's not, it's obviously bullshit. You don't actually have and, a girlfriend. Anytime I started finding myself having a connection like that, it was fun and, you know, ooh la la, and then I found myself backing the hell away because this is crazy and 
insane and this isn't real and right. all the things. I, right. I could never engage because I was just that little bit older. Yeah. But like Wade kind of in this book kind of talks about there's this element where some people are it's easier for them to interact online. It's just easier for them to get past all those prejudices we have physically. It's like like H is saying, like she can just adopt white privilege essentially, or mm-hmm. at least get around it sure. by presenting as white. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a well, it especially w- in the world where you you live, you know. 90% of your time in the fantasy world, you're not going to want to acknowledge your reality right. by having a relationship in the real life, real world. Right. Yeah. So I, this, this, that part of this chapter was one of my favorite parts of the book because it felt again, like the most real, it felt like the most honest. And by honest, I do mean honest to the author. There's a, mm-hmm. a lot of this book that's really honest and, and you can tell, but like this specific part felt like the experience of somebody who grew up a lot like I did in that same realm where you start to realize that people are like you or people, you know, are going to be having relationships with people that for the most part, they only experience digitally Mm -hmm. um, that eventually can become something else. But in the moment is exclusively that. Um, And of course, and and then the other idea is like one of the first things you think of, is this somehow a scam? Is this a Nigerian prince kind of situation? Is this like, how does this work? And for him, it just worked it all be- was real. Like that was, I think the craziest part for me is that it was all like, there was a magical world beyond that wardrobe. Like it really was a thing that codified and became real. Yeah. Uh, I liked H's. I like that H part. I like them hanging out, I like them on the airplane together. I like, I like their friendship um, beyond the digital realm. I'm trying to think of anything, anything to say about Og's house, anything else? Oh to say yeah. Okay. Oh, I got go a question let's, about Og's. Let's just get through I, it. I, maybe you can talk me into this usually pretty good at that but (laughs) is it likely Og would have at least six top of the line Oasis Bays when he has no visitors I don't know Og's super rich compound looks exactly like Rivendell from Lord of the Rings he uses actual torches to light the way to rooms he's got a staff Maybe that's he why has, he has so many stations because his staff want to play. I did that did actually occur to me. And he seems like he'd be a really nice like boss where he'd be like, "Yeah, sure, use the high tech shit." Now they why, why they wouldn't be uh, like like his is like that's my rig. Why he wouldn't have one that'd be like, "Oh, that's He did. I no. Why why for each of the staff members wouldn't have their oh, own oh, rig oh, oh. is what I'm saying. So like why he wouldn't say number one's my rig, number two's Penelope's rig, number three uh, super is, COVID. is Frank's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they um, have to they have to completely sanitize it after each use except for his. Right. Or to go get, live in his funk. Gross. Um mm-hmm. What else? Oh uh, yeah, so I that's that's I that's the only answer I have because It's I, not a deal breaker for you. No, because he does have live in staff. Like sure. I mean, he... he oh, we he, assume they're living. No, I think he says that they live there at one oh, point. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, and then my only other comment here is about uh, his new passphrase, Wade's new passphrase. What was his new passphrase? Would you have anything else? No, I just have summaries, okay. I think, for the most part. Okay. Um, well, because I, 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 I knew without looking each of his other passphrases, which were... Uh, oh, okay. I forgot... No one in the world ever gets what it what they want, and that is beautiful. Yes. 
<laughs> I, I don't know, man. And you've been recruited by the Star League to right. defend the frontier against Zer and the Kodan Armada. Right. <laughs> oh, my and God. And what's this one? Reindeer Flotilla Sea Tech Astronomy. And I knew half of it, and I should have known more, and I am sorry. So what is it? Because I don't know if I know. Sea Tech Astronomy is, is a clear reference to the, I think, Phil Alden Robinson film Sneakers that I love. Have you seen Sneakers? No. Robert Redford, Dan Aykroyd, Sidney Poitier, River Phoenix, Ben Kingsley. Nope. It's good. Okay. You, you should see it. Okay. Yeah, it's fun. It's kind of like Hackers, but not like Hackers because it's not young kids, except for River Phoenix. Okay. <sighs> Reindeer Flotilla is a password from Tron. It's Kevin Flynn's password. Oh, there you go. And I did not recognize it, and I feel bad. I've only seen that movie like twice. Doesn't matter. It's not a very not good movie. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I should have known it. I should have known it, and I didn't, and I failed. I failed you. I failed the listener. Okay. That's it. All right. I think that brings us to... Chapter 34. I got a summary. Okay. Parzival, Parzival flies... After, after logging into and getting set up in a new haptic rig at Og's mansion, mm-hmm. uh, Parzival flies his new Leopardon mecha to Castle Anorak, where he joins together with the Gunter <laughs> army and sizes up the Sixer forces and those fighting alongside him. He, uh, that is to say, H, Artemis, and uh, Shoto, because uh, he hasn't seen their robots yet. Right. He notices that the Sixers have a complete Voltron and Mechagodzilla and others, while a, uh, while his crew have much smaller, possibly weaker mechs. The end of this chapter shows how Wade was able to deactivate the orb of Asuvox and bring the shield down. Yes. Um, do you have any other notes? Do you have any comments about the other giant robots? Yeah, uh, one, I think it's interesting that they chose to make it so that the giant, the the combiner robots, the ones that, like, the Power Ranger mech and, and Voltron each have one pilot per unit. and That, that takes... makes sense, though, because sure. they are different pilots. Sure, which even leads, leads me harder into I would absolutely pick the white Tiger Zord because that's a one-guy thing. Sure. But at the same time, it's, you know, it's... It still feels like, okay, so that's like, what, five of the 12 that the Sixers already had? And then I don't mm-hmm. even think we get to see all of them? I, I don't remember. Maybe they are, but I just, like, I don't recognize yeah. most of these robots, so I don't care. I think that's what my brain did, because, like, Neon Evangelion or whatever. Neon, Neon Genesis. Genesis. Evangelius. Yeah, Evangelion. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you, don't, you don't know Transor Z or whatever that was? No. Okay, I didn't, I didn't know it either. I barely know Leopardon. Mm-hmm. And that's not from the show. It's from the comics. Oh, it's not in the show? No, no, no. I don't know it from the show. I know it from comics. I know it gotcha, from gotcha, something gotcha. that's also referencing the source material I'm with you like, I'm with like you. this I'm with is. You now. Sure, sure, sure. Um, below, yeah, bringing down the shield was kind of clever. Yeah, it was fine. It was fine. Putting putting in the uh, order when he was in the... When he was hacked in, jacked in. It's about all I've got, though. Yeah, I mean... Mechagodzilla seems like the obvious choice for the best mecha ever, I guess. But, like, that's the problem is, like, they're only limited. It's the to... obvious choice for Sorrento. Yes, that's what I mean. It's, it's, it's oh, okay, it's, okay. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, then you know, it, it's just it's just like we thought it was. It was oh, we also get to see what H and Artemis and everybody else's mechs were and Shoto's mechs were. Again, I don't know them almost at all, but I did recognize like I think the mobile suit Gundam, the the first generation Gundam, I think is maybe the same one in the movie. I don't really know because. I only know the one. The one in the movie is the one that I recognize as like that's the Gundam. That's the the, the Gundam suit. I know but I don't know if about that's Gundam. actually the original. Like my two experiences with mechs growing up were Voltron, which I was quite captivated with, and then I think it was on a couple times and I caught some. And then kids had a toy at school, a uh, Robotech. Mm-hmm. But I don't know anything about Robotech or what it is. Yeah, I don't either. Like a giant transformer, and then didn't look properly like a plane when it flew. So I'm like, that doesn't even look like anything. I like transformers that actually turn into you know vehicles that look like vehicles. That's all I've got. Um, I know that I I I didn't have really any experience to uh, with Voltron when I was a kid. I never watched Thundercats. Like I missed the Transformers period of time. Like my period of time was like Ninja Turtles and Power Rangers. Sure. Late eighties, early nineties stuff. Um so like I just missed it. But like sure. I'm sure there was a lot of stuff. Like for example, like I know like a lot of my experience with Voltron comes from knowing that it's essentially like the, the Power Rangers rip it off a little bit or kind of or exactly. Yeah, but um, they also rip the Power Rangers off, I thought. We I don't know how it works. I, I thought we had this like violent argument. There's much blood and sputum and you finally convinced me that Super Sentai came first, it's, and King King Go Lion, which is what the what Voltron right. was before it was translated, uh, was a knockoff. It's well, I mean, I can't attribute the malice of knocking something off, but I I can I, we can look at history and say which came first. Sure. And so if that's if that's what validates like the idea that someone knocks something off, maybe. But like, I all I know is chronology. And I th- sure. I'm fairly certain that, like, if we're going to go that far back, well, if we're talking about combiners, again, then Super Sentai came first, but I don't know when their first combiner came in. Like, Leopardon was before that, too, but he wasn't a combining robot. Right. Um. So, I don't know. Um, I know that my, my earliest, I think, really my main experience with Voltron was through the Wu-Tang Clan. Um, huh. Yeah, because they would talk about Voltron all the time. I think they even did like a short, a small short film about them being the Voltron pilots, and it was like a music video kind of thing. I don't think I ever saw it, but like I know, I think I saw pictures of it or something. It's it was real weird. I mean, Voltron had like it had fucking everything. It had uniforms. It had secret entrances to fucking tunnels that took you to your to your mech. That then burst out of secret underground caverns, and one was in fucking lava, and one was under. Oh, that shit was it! Just like everything about that, I was I was hooked. I was into that. I remember, like, I think another problem for me is like because I I didn't have friends who could walk me through what they knew about this stuff when I was a little kid. That like I had a hard time like like differentiating between something like okay, what's the difference between like Voltron and G Force? Mm-hmm. Like 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 they kind of look very similar to me and I don't know if they're different or the same or related at all. Um, and 
so that's like where my that's like it just comes from a place of like having caught this shit on like late night cartoon network or something sure and having no one to talk me through what i'm experiencing it's funny because i'm now i'm now remembering one of my earliest well this is the way the world went get used to it moments was discovering like sitting down to watch voltron and suddenly it was different time different place and voltron was made out of cars <laughs> and have you seen that voltron no Ah, so I'm like, what is this? Where are my fucking lions? Right. This is bullshit. Or the characters I like, I don't, I don't, I don't comprehend the, oh, we need to change it up and get kids interested in a new toy. I'm like, you fucking, you stabbed me in the back. Did you watch the Netflix Voltron? I watched like three seasons of it and I <laughs> really like it. Yeah. Um, But my kid, it, it got intense slash boring for her. And so we didn't keep watching it and I didn't watch it on my own thinking we might go back to it. And so I haven't finished it. I watched like, I, I know I watched a good chunk of it and I, I, cause I remember thinking, oh, I'll watch this while I build the Lego. And then I never got around to building the Lego. Sure. And I remember thinking it was probably better than I was considering that I should watch it and actually pay attention because it, it's probably a good cartoon show. It's like a good, I it's, really it's a liked good it. adventure cartoon show, you know, being mm-hmm. what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, like we've talked before, my little ponies are, Friendship is Magic is a great cartoon show for mm-hmm. almost every reason um, in terms of its messages for people. It's 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 a what do you call it? That thing it does where it sh- it, it represent it's representation. Representation. Yeah. Yeah. It, it shows people being or specifically young women characters, young female characters being empowered, being active, being smart, being the heroes, uh, being vulnerable, like complete humans like being i mean i know they're ponies but like being people that yeah, people have yeah complete they're being people. they're being complete people that are multifaceted multidimensional and all of that's normal and all of that's mm-hmm. okay and that's one of the mm-hmm. most powerful things about that show it doesn't pigeonhole characters into this is a one note cartoon character like this is just no. a joke like daffy duck is just a joke character every time you see him you know what you're getting it's a joke Friendship is Magic is like, no, you're getting like a really kind of incredibly multifaceted like show about growing up, about adapting to life. Oh, so many shows are like that now. It's a great time for cartoons. Yeah. Even Adventure Time, I understand, though I it was just not for me. I See, wanted to, yeah. but I was just like, I, I think I watched half of the first season. I'm like, there are people who like this and I'm happy for them. I, I sort of the same for me on Adventure Time, but also like I know that like Steven Universe is a show that people really like and say the same. I thing really like I really like Steven Universe. I I can't I couldn't get into it. There's just Fair something enough. about it that I couldn't I could not get around. Fair enough. Um, we uh we also just watched Avatar and then we're going through Korra now. Oh yeah, is that good? That's really those are really those are really good. Nice. Um, I know that I really like the Amazing World of Gumball. Um, Ooh, I didn't know that one. Oh, that one. I don't know if you'll like it because it's it's <laughs> I actually now that you've said it I remember reading something about it but I, I, I like I can't think or see it's in my it's, head what it is it's gorgeous it's probably one of the most beautiful cartoon shows I've ever seen because it's like this amazing 3d rendered reality that's a mix of like 2d animation and 3d animation and all this stuff and it blends fantastically and it's fucking weird it's high energy high weird high concept shit one of my favorite episodes is there's an episode where the kids somehow are like i think they are convinced their mom or they somehow are able to 
rent a DVD from the rental store, but they keep it too long so they rack up a fee and then they have to go on an adventure to get enough money to pay back the fee but every every day they spend trying to earn money to pay back the fee it keeps increasing the price of the fee so they have to keep going and going and going until they're doing like in crazy shit to either like escape the fee or like i think they even get to a point where they're basically like decide they're going to kill themselves they're not kill themselves, they're going to fake their own deaths so that they can start new lives so that they sure. can avoid paying the fee it's like it's the kind of i don't remember if that's exactly what happens but it's that kind of it's that kind of insanity where it goes sure. from something so mundane to we got to fake our own deaths um, <laughs> uh and it's I, it's it's actually a kids show cartoon it's not really like it's not like adventure well it's not like it's not Rick secretly deep hmm it's not secretly deep Oh, it, it is. It is. Oh, it's not. I see what you're saying. I'm saying it's not. It's not an adult show masquerading as a kids show. It's gotcha. a kids show that's that's secretly deep, or that oh, okay. is like just very well done. Anyway, we're talking about cartoons too long. Um, eh, it's not, not not much else has happened in this chapter, so I'm true. okay with it. But um, let's see. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just they basically go. This is who has this mech. This is who has this. This is where we are. So, and this is how we're going to take down the shields. Yeah, and so then they take down the shields, and which is basically have a delivery robot like walk up to it and either remove it or say something, or they blow it up. Johnny Five goes and requisitions a neutron bomb or something. Okay. From the Sixers' own cache, rolls over to where the orb of Thessaly is, or whatever it's called. Ossovox. I don't care. Um, and blows it up, all within you know their own backyard and that takes out the wizard the shield goes down and it's on and then that brings us to chapter 35 all right here's a summary of 35 it is the big fight Hmm. (laughs) the shield falls mecha godzilla attacks and is defeated by wade as ultraman shoto's avatar is killed in battle wade artemis and h all make it to the crystal gate and access it before they all die so i actually have some more page notes in here if you'd like to get through them. I've got one note. Okay. I will take it first because it happened so early on. Voltron deserved better. (laughs) That's my first note, is that uh, (laughs) they didn't even get a chance to form Voltron. What a missed opportunity. There's so many parts at the end of this book where I feel like, I don't want to say the book's rushed, but it's just sort of like, it feels like, yeah, let's just get on Too many subdivisions? I don't know what that means. Because cause it's a song by Rush, and you said the book wasn't... You, know, you keep trying to force Rush. that joke, and you know I don't know that song, and you've done this three times now, it's and I never get it. Subdivisions. And it's it's just like, it's it doesn't... I, 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 I can't help you understand that it won't land. <laughs> <laughs> but you say it with this twinkle, like, I made a joke, and it's like, did you? <laughs> I can't tell. Your audience doesn't know. Um, but I know. Uh, yeah, I feel like that this was one of those moments where there's two moments. They're both my notes in this. So I, I'll just go through both of them at the same time. But we basically, we missed the opportunity to see Voltron form, which could have been built up as this cool thing. It could have mm-hmm. been like H's giant robot defeats Voltron or, or like everybody like, or, or all of the Gunters are like shooting their, all their rockets and stuff at Voltron, which would have a bigger effect on Voltron than it would on Mechagodzilla. And then... You know, you have, you can describe the action. You can, like, I look at it like if you're going to be like a DM, you want to describe, which is the same, kind of the same as like being a writer in a fucking dumb sense. But like, you want to describe the action in a way that's exciting and interesting. This, the way he writes this is literally saying, 
the lions were taken down. They didn't even get a chance to form Voltron. And it's like, what? Could it be a rights thing? Do you think maybe they were told you could use Voltron, but you can only have them in pieces? Maybe. I, I, I don't understand how that works, but all the other stuff doesn't. I don't understand how you could not have Voltron, but you can have Gundam and Mechagodzilla and all these other things that are in this book, like we point. talked about. Like, I don't know where the why the line would be different for Voltron. So it's, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, um, I don't know. It just seems like a missed opportunity. The, the other one, my other note is that another missed opportunity is is when Wade doesn't even really get to fight Sorrento. He just just they just destroy Mechagodzilla, which is exciting, I guess, to a degree, but um, he like knocks its head off or something, and then it the he he- basically destroys it and kill. I thought he killed Sorrento, and Sorrento had to like. He yeah, does. No, he fought. This no, is he, the Sorrento fight. No, he does. He, but he. It's not really the Sorrento fight. He's fighting Mechagodzilla. Then this, I understand it's being pilot. Hear me out. It's being piloted okay. by Sorrento. Once you knock Sorrento out of the Mechagodzilla, the Mechagodzilla falls apart and it goes away. And then you have a like M a Bison like sure. like yeah 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 Guile fight where you have this like this this you know it's it's Steve. Yeah, well, that's Mortal Kombat. But yeah, like you'd have like. Well, I wanted to you take it your, over to Mortal Kombat. You have your Sonya Blade versus Kano fight. Right, Chun-Li. Liu Kang versus Shang Tsung fight. Like, you know... M. Bison. You're... you're uh, <laughs> uh, your, your Melina versus Cabal fight. I don't just... I'm just... I could just list more Mortal Kombat characters as long as I wanted to. But the, uh, the point is, like... You Batman have a, versus the Flash. You have an opportunity to write a sequence where you have... Each of these actions, each of these sequences can be a treasure trove of references and fun shit. You could have a moment where, you know, they're fighting and punching and then Wade, Wade grabs from his inventory, you know, a the the sword from Thundercats, you know, sure. and he screams Thundercats ho and the sword elongates and then he gets to like lightning strike a guy or something like that. And then, you know, uh, Sorrento gets to pull out the golden gun or he pulls out some other thing that does something else and gives a fun moment. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or what if like, I mean, I don't know how often they, how much they could do this with, like you said, like what do they have the rights to be able to use? Um, like, you know, does, does Sorrento have Wolverine claws? Does he have Spider-Man thwips? Can he web weight up? Like, can he use Wonder Woman's like lasso of truth? Any of those things you have the opportunity to write in, in those moments, but it gets robbed from us because he just instead of that opportunity to have a hand-to-hand fight where they can have the actual showdown that would actually to me would feel more like Wade was risking something because he'd be in his one-on-one fight not in the Ultraman like protection of the Ultraman suit or protection of of the of the Leopardon like instead they are they're fisticuffs fighting until one of them is dead and that would have felt like a much bigger climax than what we got, which is I punched his head jetted off and then I shot a rocket at it or whatever the fuck it was. And it blew up Basically. and I saw Sorrento's name removed from the scoreboard, you know, dust off my hands, pull up my, my, my boots <laughs> and walk over to the end of the movie. And it's like, well, that's fucking boring. Like, well, maybe wait, it's you're telling me the climax s- is actually just some sort of like puzzle. That's not exciting. <laughs> You're not wrong as such. Yeah, I know. So that's my notes on that chapter. Just, I just, just, 
I would have liked it to go. I guess my thing is I come from the Power Rangers world where that's how it goes. It goes in the inverse. You start fighting hand to hand when that plays out in your tempo, when you spend enough of the show, like the four minutes or three minutes of the, of the punching and fighting the putties, then Rita Repulsa on the moon says, Oh no, this isn't going to work anymore. Make them grow. And then she throws her thing and it makes them get big. And then they're like, Oh no, they're big. Now that escalates us to dinosaur power. Let's go through the secrets where we get our zords. Then we have zord fight. Then that is either where it ends or they get knocked. They get punched so hard that they shrink and then they become small again. And then they can fight them on the ground again or something like that. Like there's, there's a sequence. There's a, a root uh, that, Bring, that escalates tension through giant robot fights, and he, much like Chekhov's gun, does not follow the pattern uh, in a way that, even in in the inverse, would have been fun. Mm-hmm. Because in this realm, like in this in the in the Oasis, the they aren't real objects; they're they're like digital things that can break and deactivate. So do that, deactivate yep. it. Anyway, uh, that's all I got for that. What do you got any more? Nope. Then that brings us to. Chapter 36. Here's my summary. I have nothing, but go ahead. The Sixers detonated the catalyst, destroying everything in the secret... Excuse me. Everything in the Oasis, except Wade and any artifacts anybody was wearing nearby. Pump the brakes for a second. Okay. It's cataclyst. Okay. I actually wrote that. It's all life in Sector 10, not the whole Oasis. Yeah. He's right. It's the cataclysm... Destroying everything in Sector 11. 10. In the Desert Fountain. What? Right? What, what? I get it right? No. What's the Desert Fountain have to do with anything? Well, it's like an oasis, right? Like if you have oh, a... Oh, Jesus Christ. So everybody dies except Wade, whose special quarter from beating Pac-Man is an extra life that brings him back and gives him a chance to pick up any stray artifacts like H's sword, which also doesn't come back into play at all. Artemis's yeah. flying chucks, Wade's, uh, or and uh, I think something else. I think he gets one more thing. One, no, it, no, it something. Uh, Shoto didn't have any artifacts. That was something he said. No, it was something Wade already had. But it Wade didn't help had. him get up. It was the quarter. He picks up the quarter. No, and it, it, no. Well, it, it it becomes an artifact. It just becomes a quarter after that. That's still in his inventory. It's not what he picks up. That's what I'm saying. He's, he mm. picks up three things. Okay. Well, all I remember is the quarter and the sword and the chucks. And then he, at this point, then he promises to split his winnings with the rest of his friends, with his three friends. Uh, and then he makes a big public broadcast about how he's going to split the winnings and that's it. Uh, and then that's that's the chapter. It's just, it's again, it just feels really like... I think that's a problem having with this book, because I don't feel like there's ever any risk that Wade won't win. And I don't yeah. know why that is... If Again, if that's a byproduct of watching the movie first, or if, like, something else. Well, anyway. I mean, the movie had the benefit of you know Steven Spielberg coming in and going, this is how you establish stakes. Yeah. So that would definitely color your view of the book, I think. Yeah, it does. Like, there's the sequence where, like, in in comparison, like, Wade just, he just, he's, like you say, he's a Mary Sue, but in, in more for the reason, more than just for the reason you felt like he was the one tipping, the one tipping point for you. But, like, all the stuff he did, does at IOI, all the stuff he does at the Indent Center, 
it just feels like <sighs> nothing's really a challenge for this guy. That's how it feels. The, mm-hmm. the, the hardest thing that this character's had to deal with is that moment where he asks Artemis if she's breaking up with him because he's a virgin. That's the hardest thing he has to do. He doesn't have almost any problem dealing with his family being murdered. Um, maybe even even the himself being murdered. He responds to that like a like a psychopath. He responds to that like a cold blooded <laughs> person who's just going about it routinely. He doesn't like seem to reflect on those things unless it's to justify his retribution. Right. Um, he uh, he handles moving to the big city on his own with, with a plum. Absolutely no support group. Yeah, with a plum. You're right. No, it's everything. the The fake identity I created for myself. Yeah, like you can do like that. This random shit. Uh, he just only says, allowed oh, by me to way. get this crappy job. That's still great. Right. Or also the. By the way, I totally bought myself a backdoor pass to the Oasis, and I didn't tell you about it. <laughs> because you know i we needed it to come up now and it's like this is so speaking like the movie talks about bill and ted did it that's some bill and ted shit that's some like we'll just leave the thing we need here later after we find it that makes sense right and it's like no that's why this is funny is because it doesn't make any fucking sense it's stupid <laughs> it's a bad narrative convention it doesn't make sense but you found a way to work it in and have it have us have fun here not so much yeah here it's just like what because that's in Bill and Ted, it's funny because it's obviously a joke. Like the joke is like, yeah, why wouldn't these characters do that? Why wouldn't they be able to break reality and and overcome this stuff? Because because they're of their sheer positivity. Like that's right. the great thing about Bill and Ted is they're so relentlessly upbeat that of course things are going to work out for them. They couldn't possibly not work out for them. Anyway, and and I just don't. I the whole book didn't feel almost any of that for Wade. Even this awkward stuff with his relationship with Artemis still felt more like somebody's fantasy journal entries than like a, an actual person going through a real struggle with another human and mm-hmm. seeking, you know, uh, companionship or closeness. I got nothing more to say about that chapter. Uh, ready to move on? Let's move on. Chapter, or that brings us to chapter 37. Summary. It's got a lot of summaries here. So far, the final gate is a mix of two challenges. One is to beat Halliday's high score in Tempest, and then to play through the Monty Python and the Holy Grail film. Uh, My note, I got a quick note here. Hey, video games and movies again. Yeah, it's the same fucking thing. It's more of the same, slightly different, but it's just the same. It's like it's like the whole concept of buying skins in video games. Why? It changes. No- my avatar looks slightly different. Go fuck yourself. That's my money. Like, I'm not paying for that. <laughs> Fucking idiot. It's selling my wife. No, I, I'm sorry. It's just like, I can't. No, don't be sorry. She's great. Like, if you want to give it to me for free, is there a way I can unlock it through an action? Can I play to get it? Maybe then I'll enjoy it. But I'm not going to give you five more dollars. So my Spider-Man can look like a cowboy or something fucking stupid like that. They can have six-gun web shooters. Bang, bang. Like, I don't, I'm not Flip sure if whip. that's a, I don't, yeah, I don't know if that's a thing or not, but it sounds like the kind of lame bullshit you'd find in that, those fucking games. Pay, Funny, you're, you're fine for paying, you know, $2 to have your Arkham Knight Batman look like the Michael Keaton Batman, right? No. 
I'm not cool mm-hmm. with that. I'm not cool with pay $40 a month to get uh, another loot crate every, you know, six days. That is pretty stupid. It's just going to give you the same shit you already have. And I don't fucking, I don't get it. I don't like it. I hate no, we're that. Anti-loot we're anti-loot crate. We're pro tool crate. I don't know what that means. Um, It's loot spelled backwards. Weird. Um, So he has to play through the Holy Grail film. And then he's uh, transported to a room filled with old video game consoles and games laid out in the shape of an egg. And Wade knows he's reached the end. So do you, you have any, do you have anything else in this chapter? Here's my notes. Uh, okay. This feels, this is a moment for me in the book, the Holy Grail moment, the Tempest thing, who gives a shit? Like, I don't know that game. I don't fucking care. Like it cool. means nothing to me, but the Holy Grail thing is like one of those things where, there are like it's such it, it was one of those early this has transcended nerdery and become a pop culture thing mm-hmm. like like i realized like that like like monty python quotes and star wars for me were like my nerd currency when i was 11 12 13 and uh and then became that way forever and then you start to realize how many people have those things and then that becomes devalued and mm-hmm. so the the idea that like this would be the third trial feels like you might as well say he's, he has to watch the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Like, of course, there's a whole subgenre of people who've memorized this shit as part of their initiation to their subgenres or their okay. subcultures. Excuse me. Counter- counterpoint, though, Halliday never got out and never connected with anybody. So it was incredibly valued for him. Sure. But like. The idea that the author's the the author writes in a shut in character to justify his own basic nerdery, that's weak. Pick something cooler, man. Like war mm-hmm. games, you want to talk about reciting war games? You know what? That feels a little niche to me. That feels pretty niche. I don't know a lot of people who could do that. You want to talk about playing Black Dragon? That's pretty niche, man. I get it. I get why that would be that has the air of exclusivity to it. Monty Python and Holy Grail does not. It, and especially as the, a part of the third gate. Mm-hmm. The well, Rush but, album, think... 212 or mm-hmm. 2112. I don't know any songs off that album because I think it's just one song. It's basically the 21-minute no, it's, it's, it's song. It's like five songs, but there's the first one is 20 minutes. Um, But I, I, think, I think the argument, at least, is that Holy Grail is the Holy Grail of nerdery. And so everything's been building up to it because it's so great and ubiquitous and everyone loves it. Right. But what I'm saying is you do that same thing. Oh, wait. No, no, no. I'm saying Holy Grail as a metaphor for part of the third challenge, alluding to the idea that the key itself is a grail hunt, Mm -hmm. uh, an egg hunt, a grail hunt, whatever you want to call it. Do fucking Last Crusade. Do that sequence. Do do. Last Crusade is not that good a movie. That's not my point, Rob. My point is, like, you take that sequence from Last Crusade and have the player character pick out which of these things is Halliday's thing. Oh, oh, oh. You have that, him... That, I got it. You have them... You take that scene, that one the scene sequence. about... Gotcha. ...about yes. finding the grail, about okay. selecting the right thing, finding the Easter egg, finding mm. in a room full of decoys, finding the it's one cool. thing. It's Which great, he kind Spielberg of does. Was... Which he sure. kind of does with adventure. Like, that's that's what the adventure sequence is supposed to be like, I think. But the fact that you have to, like, play through the Monty, Monty Python and the Holy Grail all the way through 
is like it's kind of fun like I, I like the sequence where all the friends are like kind of enjoying doing it together because that's what that movie should be like but then but it, again it felt like any nerd worth his salt going to be able to, to drudge through most of that movie like quoting it and and to sure. a point where it becomes so reflexive like it becomes it's so standard that mm-hmm. it, that's the part that makes it not actually like an easter egg it's not actually that fun to read about like i don't know maybe it is to most people but as a person who like loves that movie and grew up with that movie as a staple of references and comedy in their home like it's it's too mainstream for me i think to appreciate it in this context i would i would i would extrapolate what i said earlier and take it one step further and say maybe when he was doing D &D with og in high school and all the other people who might have run running that campaign, they could have put on Holy Grail and everybody would have been doing what Halliday was. He would have been like, everybody's like me in this moment. Everyone's quoting the movie and saying it, speaking it back to it. And they would that was that might be why it's his Holy Grail movie. Cool. That would be would, cool to read about though. Oh, okay, yeah. It's that like, whole thing where I'm not allowed to fill in the blanks. Yeah. Like <laughs> like I, I Ernest Klein doesn't deserve credit for your imagination. That's true. It's even if Wade had literally like one of the conceits of this book is that Wade can always at any moment go, oh, yeah, I'm going to check out my my notes, my grail notes. And you know what they say? They say that in October 1989 or like, uh, you know, 79, uh, James Halliday, Og and Kira were all in Og's basement with their D&D group. And they uh, also put on the Holy Grail like VHS or whatever the fuck they'd have at that time. And, you know, that like was his first moment of feeling like he was part of a group. Like everyone was doing the same thing and everyone was comfortable and having fun and being silly together. And that was cool. I don't fucking know something. If that was there and he was like, Oh, I should have known. Obviously I know this movie so well because of this fine. It's, it's something that happens so often in this book. I wouldn't have bat an eye, but there's nothing. It just Mm -hmm. exists. Anyway. Uh, yeah, whatever that brings us to chapter 38. All right. Here's a summary. Wade, Wade fucking wins the contest. Uh, he he gets super user access to the Oasis, restores his friends' avatars to life, all right before Nolan Sorrento gets arrested in real life. Yeah, and it was he wins by playing adventure and finding the secret like key and the dot or whatever it is, and unlocking the room and see and, and all that stuff, just like in the movie. Um, and again, it's cool. I imagine it would be it was cool in the movie. Like I like that movie. Like I like all the stuff that I got out of that, and it's it it works in the book too. It's hard. It's again, it's hard to like put myself in the place of having not known all this stuff. Sure. I'm also really visual. So seeing the movie, like, I don't know what adventure. Well, I don't know what adventure looks like. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know what a lot of these things look like. So if I'm just reading about them, I would have to go and like Google them to get the context for what they look like in the movie. They just put it on a TV screen and they go, that's adventure. Visually, you instantly understand that shape, those colors, the way that looks, that's the thing. That's the thing they're talking about. It's called Adventure. I've never seen it before, but now I know. Because I don't even know if I knew about that game before that movie. I don't like. It's, I don't think I did. I never played any Atari games. See, that's the mm. kind of thing where that feels esoteric. That feels like it fits in this whole like hacker legendary hacker story, like this mythological hacker like or, or nerd video game nerd like book. That's what this sh- is and what it should be. 
And if, you know, of course you would have the Easter egg be the first Easter egg in a video game ever created, which is simply just the name of the, the, the game's creator. Like it makes perfect sense. It's poetic. It rhymes as they say, like it, it works, but it, uh, it's boring to read. It's the same thing I've said about this whole thing. It's kind of boring to read. It's boring to watch someone play a video game. It's more boring to read about watching someone play a video game. That's fair. Um, anything else to say about that chapter? I do actually. I have a big observation here that oh, I wrote oh God. In the heat in the heat of observ of uh, uh, the heat of reading. Um, so I have no idea how well this will flow, but we'll have to bear with me. All right, I'm is ready. Your, is your connection good? Uh, it jumped a little bit just there, but I, it's I can't change it. All right. It occurred to me that Wade would not have to. Wade would not have made the connection to Halliday's password in time if not for his discussion with Og, where Og gave up the reason that he and Halliday stopped talking. The info was out there what the password was, was out there in his in Og's bio, but Wade's making the connection suggests that Halliday did this entire contest as a way to reconnect with Og or to mold a new Og who wasn't, of whom he wasn't jealous. Uh, the linchpin of this was that tidbit of lore that only his best friend knew, and that's kind of sad. Yeah. Because, like... In his, in some part of his mind, he was thinking the only person who could ultimately do this last bit, put in the name, know the last final password, whatever led up to it, would be Og, who's also barred from the contest. Who's barred from the contest? Right? No, it's it's it, it it's completely fucked up. But I just I just felt a little bit bad for Halliday there. Yeah, he's a tragic figure. Yeah, I feel like I mean, you did we talk about Halliday as an incel before? G- kind of. Kind of. I had some counterpoints, which I'm about to counterpoint in my next oh, okay. uh, observation. But if you want to bring no, up I mean, holidays, it, you can bring up holidays and insult, and then we'll see what I have to say about my, that. I mean, the argument is not really my argument. It's not a position I hold. But I think that, as I understand it, the argument is that James Halliday is the guy who got rejected and never got over it and therefore spent his whole life pining after a woman and feeling like he was entitled to her in a weird way. Sure. And, and that is in sellish. Sure. So my counterpoint to that originally had been, I see uh, a very lonely guy on the spectrum who can't connect with people and is doing this roundabout way to be like, I'll be dead. But I'll know that if you could make it through this, we could have had connection. And that's how it always read to me. However, there's this last bit at the end. This is chapter 38, right? Yeah, we're still in 38. Okay. Last bit of chapter 38. Uh, Halliday's advice that reality is real to Wade, where he's basically like, hey, don't spend all your time in the Oasis. There's a great big world out there. That All that bullshit, all the pap that you would have that that character would say. Uh, never sat well with me because you can't just choose to not be on the spectrum. Right. Admittedly, I brought a lot of that uh, with me when I read the book. Um, I think they might've had a mention that he could have had Asperger's, but that's how it read to me. And so that's how I've always imagined him. But this part, uh, you don't just study like, Oh, you know what? I'm not going to have Asperger's anymore. So either <laughs> that's bad writing or he was never on the spectrum, and your assertion that he is an egoist and an incel has been correct from the beginning. Right. I think that that might just be the case. Like, I mean, the thing about you, being socially awkward isn't limited to being on the uh, on the autism spectrum disorder. Absolutely spectrum. not. Absolutely um, not. 
But like the, the book hinted at it and wrote him in such a way that I would keep going with that hint. Well, in the movie is he's acted in the film in a way that feels very much like he is a he's he's socially disconnected from a what you would call standard charm behaviors. Right. Um he has he seems, a lot of the tropes of an Asperger yeah. spectrum. Right. Sort of like that sort spectrum. of like, you know, like like getting lost in thought, like staring off at things. Never making eye contact, holding his arm, keeping himself small. Right. All kinds um, of things like that. Rain Man stuff. I mean, really right. tropey. Well, I don't think he... I, I think he makes eye contact in the movie quite a bit, but um, I did just see it. I did just rewatch it. Uh, I can't argue with that. Thanks. Um, You're welcome. I, I think that it, it does lean a lot more towards the lonely, resentful, egotist who destroyed the closest relationships he had because they weren't close enough. They weren't perfect. So he said he just rejected them because they didn't work perfectly. And then spent the, the last couple of years in his life of his life building a shrine to himself because he was the only thing he actually cared about. Isn't there a little bit of that in all of us? I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying this is what he actually seems like he is in the book. He makes this this shrine to himself, and then because he's also insanely wealthy, incentive he sort of pays everyone or he grifts everyone in the world into liking the things he likes. Sort of this weird nerds like revenge of the nerds kind of thing, like where he's like, you know, I'll I'll show you all you people who didn't like me or didn't want to spend time with me by making you all want to spend time with me because if you do i'll pay you like that is the saddest fucking shit like that's okay i know we we talked about this in in the raptor red jurassic park books but did i talk to you about prehysteria 2 yeah okay so prehysteria 2 one of the saddest moments about that movie is that the protagonist in that movie is super rich he's a kid who has Anything and everything a kid would want provided for him. He has like a bouncy castle in his bedroom. He has a trampoline. He has all the arcade machines he wants. He has a trapeze in his room. Like it's all this crazy shit where he can do whatever he wants. It's a fantasy. It's Richie Rich shit. And I think this might be part of what happens in the Richie Rich movie too is this idea that that kid has to come to terms with they can't buy happiness. They can't buy friendship. There's people have autonomy. They have free will. They can leave you if you're being a dick. And so, like, that's that's what Halliday doesn't get. Halliday doesn't have that comeuppance of, of anyone being like, of someone being like, you know what, fuck this contest. This old, weird, lonely jerk is trying to make us all, like, digital sycophants of his uh, because we're, we're, we're so poor and desperate that we want his money. Like, mm-hmm. that is disturbing, and it's not heroic, it's not cool, it's... It's just like, it's manipulative and it's, it's, I'm paying you to like me. It's the, it's the lie. It's the lie of believing this person likes you for more than the transactional nature of their, of your relationship. Mm-hmm. That's the specific aspect I'm trying to talk about is this idea that the lie of this book is that everyone in the world is the stripper who loves you. And you, and we all kind of buy into it because our, because our bottom bitch Wade Watts is like so obsessed and and uh, sycophantic that he 
he he convinces us that he really likes this guy when in reality he didn't have a choice this is the only way he could get out of his miserable horrible poverty life mm -hmm. there's something about it that takes away from the magic when you realize that that's where the story comes from is a is a place of desperation like the, all these characters motivations come from to to get this shit isn't because they actually like it it's because they're desperate for it so for example uh uh warhammer magic the gathering uh fortnite i'm sure they all have competitions they have e-games or whatever where people actually go to play these games and win money trivia nights people actually go maybe they actually win money i don't know if i've ever done it but like that those those are real things that people go out of their way to do for fun and maybe a little bit of profit i'd guess the majority of those people aren't going to starve if they don't win mm -hmm. in the in this world that's the circumstance whoever wins their lives made everyone else all the other millions of people who have been engaging and doing it their lives not only continue to suck but they lose the op they lose the fantasy they lose that comfort of the reality of thinking maybe they could find the golden ticket. And so again, it's like, it's this real, if I was convinced that the, that ready player two was going to be about dealing with these realities that Ernest Klein built into his world, I would be very interested to read where he goes with that. But that's not what it sounds like it, that book's about. So I have no interest, but like, that's the problem I have with this book is he sets up all this stuff and he doesn't, he being Ernest Klein and Wade Watts and James Halliday doesn't seem in his writing to suggest that he understands that he is that egotist, that lonely person, that guy who's desperately wants to convince people that he is cool because he likes the things he likes. Mm -hmm. And this book is his oasis. It's his way of, getting people excited about the things he likes so that he feels more connected. And while, and, but the idea that that person, that meta person would write the James Halliday character, the way he writes it and write the world as his desperate as it needs to be. It has this extra layer of, of his own, like sad loneliness. You, you don't realize how much you're giving away of yourself. Yes, I think that's exactly what I'm saying. Is that I don't yeah. think he realize he I don't think he knows how much he shared. I'm not gonna say I don't. <laughs> I don't know how much he thinks about what he shared in this book. But I I'll put it this way: I'm surprised with how much I think I know about right. Ernest Klein from reading this. Yes. Um. So yeah, it's it's not all like flattering either. Anything else in this chapter? <laughs> no. No. Sorry if a... I took over your note. No, no. I think I think I think it was a great way, way to have gone. This is the naked holiday. Yeah, and 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 the naked client. Like it's it's this. They're they're just they're, it's that's so it's so weird to read a book that's so clear. Like, you know, you can read. You can watch Star Wars and be like, oh, I, I get what parts of George Lucas he's putting into Luke. I get which parts of who he wants to be he's putting into Han Solo. Or who he feels he is at his best. Right. He's putting into that character. Or, right. you know, whatever. Whoever other characters you want to think he puts himself into. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But this feels so, like, exposed. 
this is like his personal daydream. This is what I would do. Yeah. And these are the friends that I would have. This is the girlfriend I would manufacture. It's like if you read a child's adventure story where they're <laughs> clearly the lead. Yes. And it's like, oh, so, you know, uh, Captain saves a lot. He he goes to the zoo today. Okay. Do you want to go to the zoo today? You do? Because of the because of Captain Ad, Ad, saves a lot. Cuz he went to the zoo, you want to that's why you want to be like him. Is that Captain it? Captain save a lot saves a lot goes to the zoo. Oh, that's okay. Well, we're not going to go to the zoo today. So maybe Maybe Captain Saves a Lot takes a bath. <laughs> what about that? Does that sound adventurous? I don't know. Germs are pretty scary. There's only one way to beat them. I I think that's pretty. I think that's a, quite an adventure. I mean, I, I at that point you have the kid. The kid. The kid's like, yeah, fight the germs. You think so? Oh, absolutely. You make it gross, they're into it. Nice. Um, <laughs> that's So that's kind of what this feels like. It sure. kind of feels like reading someone's like like hand-scrawled-out comic book about the adventurer who's them, but not really them. But, you know, a much better written one of those. But also one that's also like, and also I love all these things. Um, anyway, I, I feel like I made my point. I think you made your point. That brings us to... Chapter 39. Well, here goes the summary. Wade exits the Oasis. He is assured by Og that his, that Og's lawyers will put everything in order and that Artemis is waiting for him at the end of the hedge maze, which is incidentally uh, designed to be exactly the same as the adventure maze for some fucking reason. Because that's also an important game for Og. I don't fucking know. It, just, it seems yeah, like... Yeah, I don't... We're, we get it. It's... It, you like no, fucking No, no, I want to I actually spend a moment on that because what is the fucking point of that? We have no connection to adventure with Og... Not certainly not that I'm going to base a huge part of my life and you know upkeep that I pay a gardener to maintain and spend a water bill in this you know decaying planet where water's probably at least a slightly more premium than it is now. Um, to just happen to be like adventure, there's no mazes in Tolkien because the whole place looks like Rivendell. Could they not have they, they didn't go for the shining maze? I know they do shining in the movie, but that seems like an obvious thing. Maze, I think the shining oh, wh- or. Yeah, or or like or labyrinth. I haven't seen it, so I'd have to trust you. Um, but yeah, like like it's certainly seems like you would have other options that maybe Og was more into. I don't know, man. Unless, unless maybe adventure from an aerial view is a simpler maze, and I I don't know. Maybe I, don't know. I it. Pretty ballsy of Artemis to be like, I'll be at the center of the maze, and assume she wouldn't get lost. Yeah, Wade's at the center, and she's just like, oh no. Uh, yep, she's waiting for him at the end of the maze. Wade and Artemis meet for the first time, and the book kind of ends. That's the summary. Here's my overview. I, I, have, a, I have a couple notes. Do you have any notes? I just wrote the end. All right, here's an overview note. Uh, I don't know how to feel about the ending of this book. Uh, from the weird way Samantha is written, like she's all of a sudden needs Wade's approval about her physical appearance. She's always needed his approval. She was just too scared to ask. Yeah. Bullshit. Like that. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Obviously bullshit. Sure. 
that that's my problem is that this is all bullshit like you are, here's my here's my issue i guess that it's it's kind of in character like i'm not saying it doesn't feel like it kind of makes sense for this character what i'm saying is it is also cliched it's yeah. cliched for for to give your teenager or or a college age kid character female character the problem of body dysmorphia or like not even that hard of, of the word yeah. but like but like just like feeling self like not feeling confident in their appearance it like, felt lazy the way h's backstory felt exactly but that's that's what makes it even worse that's what makes this worse is because we already have a female character in this story that's dealing with body dysmorphia uh, uh, deals this issue of like i'm not i don't really want to i don't feel like i like this body i feel like this body's bad specifically with her weight it's like She's. We already have that character who's struggling with their physical appearance, who's clearly struggling with, like, how they are. A sh- they're worried about how people will re- interact with them based on how they look. Why is that? Is that something that you're suggesting every single person who has an Oasis account deals with, or are we? Is suggesting- that their only deep seated issue? Yeah, exactly. Is that the only thing that makes them exciting or or tragic or conflicted? Because that also feels kind of lazy. Like. I, I don't like what if like Samantha was a completely average looking person, like unremarkable and not hung up on it. Like not just just a person who's like, yeah, I look the way I look and I'm moving on. I don't, I don't know a better way to describe it, but just like completely disconnected from that because and then has another issue. I don't it doesn't matter what it is. It does, maybe she doesn't even need to have another issue. Maybe she just doesn't like have like online dating. What if that was it? What if she was just like, listen, I don't like dating dudes online. I want to. I want to be with a real person, and then that's how Wade grounds himself. That's kind of what happens in the movie a little bit. Like they, in the movie, they talk about like we shut down the Oasis on Tuesdays and Sundays or whatever it was. Um, I hated that too, but we can talk about that. Later. But yeah, it, it's 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 this idea of like because you know you got to hang out in the real world sometimes, bruh. I, there'd be so many fucking suicides if he did that. <laughs> um, Straight. Oh my god, it, it's so negligent. It's lazy writing but only if only if the the contest is involved no the the, they they kind of established that the only reason that people are that invested at least in the movie Aaron, that invested in the oasis is because of the contest that that's why zeroing out is such a big deal in the movie i don't even think they talk about it that much in the book but the concept of like zeroing out and losing your shit like losing all of the stuff you had established and gathered through your adventures all being gone Mm-hmm. is like losing your whole life so why not just die because your whole life in the game is leading up to the hope that you will be the one to win the game and get the egg so once that's removed from the table then it's just a game and people can relax and play it for fun as opposed to playing it for their whole fucking life like as a way to get them out of poverty so without that i don't think there would be suicides oh i think so people are invested in their characters their personal mythologies the uh, adventures, the the self, their dream self, that they're you know the utopia they can experience instead of the shit outside and being forced to go to that shit and it, you know it, it's not like I'm gonna go have a picnic in the park. It's like I'm gonna go breathe poison smog and avoid you know pedophiles in the stacks. Yeah, it's, that's a good it's, point. Shit is not fixed and just be like, oh, we gave him two days off a week, mandatory. Fuck you. But like the the you can't just you can't just go cold turkey like that even the, two days out a week the world in the movie isn't as dour 
I think that's the right word. It, it's not as 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 sad as the world in the book. Like it's bad, but it's not that bad. Like sure. they don't they don't talk about they almost don't talk about suicides at all. They make a joke about suicides in the beginning of the movie and leave it at that. And there's like a whole like resistance front, isn't there? Yeah, it's it's another yes. Yeah, Artemis okay. leads a resistance front. Yeah. She doesn't have a she doesn't have a blog, or she kind of has a blog or whatever. But I think at one point they mentioned that. But she mostly runs a resistance front and is a a super and badass. Isn't her birthmark like basically a strawberry shortcake, like little boop? No, it's it's a... around like her whole eye. Sure, but it's not like you know like a big blah. It doesn't protrude from her face in like a like a mole would. No, I know it doesn't. Is that what protrude. you're saying? No, but I'm saying I'm not trying to be confrontational or or like minimize what you were saying by the way i'm saying when i think of that uh what was it called port weinstein mm-hmm. birthmark um i've seen some really livid ones uh-huh. that are really and really expansive um and it looked like the movie did the lightest touch of that for something that was such a character motivation in the book even if it's not a character motivation in the movie it just seemed like Barely lip service. So you're saying you wanted her to look like Quasimodo? I don't think people with Port Weinstein's look like Quasimodo. He's Fair. got so much going on that's <laughs> not even... Sure. I- I'm saying what you're saying is you wanted her to look more... I-, I feel like what I hear you saying is you wanted her to look more monstrous. I'm not saying I wanted her to look more monstrous. I'm saying I didn't want the movie to... Uh, Play down? Be so light-handed with it. I guess I'm coming from a place of not knowing what this affliction looks like. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, it's not like something I'm very familiar with. So, for me, the movie was like, yeah, it's fine. It's honestly a thing where, like, if she had had a hair lip, it would have made a lot more sense. Cleft palate. A cleft palate, excuse me. Uh, And... Or, or something like that where it's like, it's almost impossible to hide that unless you have the corrective surgery or something else. Because this specific, like, skin condition seems like, it's like vitiligo or something. It's like, yeah, okay. I mean, depending on how bad it is, I guess, it's like, is it that bad or is it, you know. At the end of this sequence, she's like, same as H, except a little more, like, allusion to romantic. Like, she she's sort of like nervous and twitching and like you know just being like so i guess you won huh or like like the same sort of like uncomfortableness and then it's it's and then like this is my big problem like i i don't it it feels so weird to read ernest klein writing things that are supposed to be romantic because it just Mm. seems creepy it's that it's that real weird incel creepy shit where it's like i think you're beautiful and it's like that isn't in that shouldn't be important like maybe not shouldn't i know what you're saying i can't relate i can't relate is what i'm saying to being in a relationship or in a, in a situation like that where saying yeah well i think you're beautiful is the thing that the woman wants to hear more than anything she wants your approval of her physical appearance so badly that she's going to like hang on it and if she didn't get it it would destroy everything it feels like an actually suave or like clever or like charismatic person, which I'm not saying Wade is, but like she responds like he is, would say something more uh, casual, more nuanced, 
to appeal to her. He would say something like an like he would say something sort of funny and endearing that would make her go like, "Ugh, I like you," as opposed to "You are a pretty girl." He says like Tarzan. He's like, "You're a pretty girl. I think you're beautiful." Now you like me because I said you were pretty. And it's like, that's that's emotional caveman level romance. So I, I just don't, I don't buy it, I guess is my problem. Like I bought it when he wrote about them watching movies together and engaging on their, like sharing the interests and stuff like that. That's what people in relationships do. They they relate to each other. Sure. But the, the main hang up for this, these characters' relationships being that she is unhappy with how she looks, again, feels predictable it feels like it's already been done in this book and therefore is redundant and i just mm. i'm i don't in i don't like it i feel like it it's just lacking um my la- very last note um uh, is that i have to say that at least the last third of this book really does f- felt so much more like a video game walkthrough than an actual story mm. um yeah and and that that's I, I'm sure it's a challenge to write with this way he wanted to write, but like it, it just felt like you read through the, the, the video game instruction manual or the walkthrough and, and then you just know how to do the thing. Okay. That's how it is. It's not exciting. It's not thrilling. It's not challenging. It just, it just, you just, obviously you recite the Holy Grail. Obviously you play a super good game of Pac-Man joust black dragon and, uh, Tempest. Tempest. You play great games of all those three. I've just written them out, and then you also have to watch war games and say recite war games, and then in in you walk through uh that one text based adventure game whose name I already forgot. Oh, and the 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 rush song and the rush song. It's like yeah, okay, okay. I, I that's that's how this world works. I didn't. I I mean, again, maybe it's just because I'm not tuned into the shit that Ernest Klein's tuned into, but it didn't feel like any of those were actually riddles. I don't think you should have had to have been to have it be engaging. Exactly. And that's my problem. Is it, I mean, who says I did find it engaging. I found the world building interesting. I found like, sure. as much as I criticized it, like the concept's really good. A lot of the stuff he did is great, but like when it comes to making the, the actual parts of the book that are important, which are to me, like the nitty gritty of this is a impossible to solve contest. This doesn't seem all that impossible to solve. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, got anything else to say for the for the book? You liked it, obviously. I mean, you you like the. I, book. I still enjoy it. Your yeah, your yeah. points are all very valid. Yeah. Um, and I noticed some problems with it this time. It is still fun, but I feel like that's just a a case of I feel like a lot of my brain waves match up with Ernest Klein's, and I'm just like, okay, cool. Yeah, I can. I can. Hopefully, not the Enzelli ones. Hopefully, I don't have any of those. I mean, I think this is a solid B of a book for me. Like it was yeah. a the kind of book that I I enjoy. I did enjoy reading. I had some fun reading it, but then at the end, I feel like it should have just been longer. Like I honestly feel like the book would have benefited from fleshing out some of the information that he just sort of tells you. Less summarizing. Yeah, he does more he, he, action. I say it a lot on this show, but he he told and didn't show mm-hmm. for a lot of this stuff. Even if he had just said something like, you know, like, like a lot of times he'll, he'll summarize, like you're saying, like you go, yeah, so uh, when you go through the Tomb of Horrors, you have to unlock a lot of traps and defeat a lot of monsters, or you can avoid them sometimes. But anyway, I ended up at the end. And it's like, 
is that supposed to be exciting? Is that yada, supposed yada, to be yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, the whole book. Yada, yada, yada is through these fucking like supposed to be extremely exciting moments. And it's just like Zork. Is that what it's called? Um, like it's like Zork. Yeah, so I ran around the house, I collected all the trophies, got them all together, found the uh, Captain Crunch, and then I fucking blew my horn and I made it through. And it's like, why the fuck do I care? That's what I mean. It's like, it's like, it's reading about someone watching someone else play a video game. It just is, that's not good. Like, that's not fun. Anyway, recommendations? Do you recommend this book to people? I do. I'll say it. I recommend this book to people like me who want to read a bunch of references in a row and kind of have a fun adventure. <laughs> if you're, if you're, if, yeah, if you're from my era and you want reference-heavy stuff, yeah, I recommend the book. If you're into reading someone else talk about how, the pop culture they love in a fictional narrative, that's what this book is. Yeah. If you want fun Blast from the Pasts references that you can go, oh, yeah, that's what this book is. Yeah. It's not unfun. It is no, it's fun. not. It's not. It unfun. just could it, be, like you said, a little more fun. It could have been a little more fun. I think that's. I mean, I don't know if that's like the most damning praise you can give something, but like, it feels harsh. It feels harsh to say, like, like imagine if you bake if you bake somebody a cake and they go, eh, it could have been more cakey. <laughs> like isn't that I know a, for next time that i'm gonna go make that shit out of but isn't that cake. like a real kick in the dick like you're like it is a cake i made a cake that's what this was and they're like mm, could have been cakier don't you think <laughs> i don't know if that's a direct analogy i don't know i feel like that's what i'm doing i feel like i'm just going like, like that, it could have been bookier you know, uh, well, it's it's more more like you know you, but it definitely that cake could have been more way more chocolate. It's more like you know, you know, Ernest, you you wrote you wrote Ready Player One, right? And I'm you know I like it, and he's like, yeah, I did. I, I'm glad you like it. And you go, yeah, well, could have been more Ready Player One, <laughs> don't you think? You just tried a little harder to make it more Ready Player One, Ernest. Um, I'm glad we read it. I think that's another thing. I will say this. I have one more thing to say about this book in, okay. in criticism. The back of my book, there's a quote talk, praising the book. One of those, those things where people say nice things. Sure. This one bums. This one, I, I, it, it's bothered me since I read it the first time. And now that I finished reading the book, it really bothers me. Okay. From the Huffington Post, it says, delightful ellipsis, the grownups, Harry Potter. What? In what way? In what way all of those words? Like, what does it mean to be grown-ups, and how is that their Harry Potter? They use bad language words, and people die. As opposed to Harry Potter, where they just people die. And they use bad language words. But not like, you know, the closest... Get away go, from her, you bitch! Get away from my daughter. Not my daughter, you bitch. Not my daughter, you bitch. She's not, she's not Ellen Ripley. <laughs> That's right. That's Ripley's line. Game right. over, Ron. Game over. But I mean, other than... okay, It's a blast-ended scroot hunt. <laughs> Looks like the ore is too good to come and eat with the rest of us grunts. Harry, you have to take the uh, the egg into <laughs> into the bathroom with Moaning Myrtle. Okay. Uh. <laughs> The Dementors mostly the... come at night. Mostly. <laughs> we do this all day. There's a... There's a... Uh, 
a mandrake that bursts from his chest and screams. <laughs> That's amazing. That full marks. <sighs> I I did my reading for Harry Potter. I remember this stuff. Anyway, um, yeah, I didn't like that quote. I thought it was dumb, but I did like the book. As much criticism as I can't help myself but giving it, I liked it. But again, we have... Uh, I, oh, I think that... Uh, do you have anything else to say about this book? No. No, no, I don't think... I, I am interested in seeing the movie again. I don't think I've seen it since the theater. I will. I'll, let's talk about the movie really quick. Uh, I love the movie a lot. Uh, when I saw it, I, re- I watched it like twice in the theater. I bought... I went out and made sure I got the exclusive Steelbook 4K and 3D all-in-one edition, which was like really hard to find. I don't know why they don't make them more often. I think one for 3D isn't a thing people make movies in anymore. But um, so I bought I bought this special edition because I love my 3D and I love you my do. 4Ks. You really love your 3Ds. Uh, so I watched it two nights ago after I, when I finished the book. And I remember it's, it's a little different now having read the book because I watched it with different eyes. Like I watched mm-hmm. it with like the first time I saw it, I loved it. And I was like, this is fucking great. I love every part of almost every part of this is fucking fun and great. It's like everything I want it to be. And it just is. And then watching it again, there's, there's a, it's one of those things where watching it and seeing the way that like Parzival and Artemis interact. And it just feels like their attraction, their like partnership, the way that those two characters come together is a little too convenient in the mm-hmm. movie. And that is just doesn't feel quite earned. Like, it's fine, you make it through it, but, like, that's something that I feel like wasn't actually that awesome in the in the movie upon, like, fourth viewing. Sure. But there's also little things that are adjusted that make a lot more sense, or new characters that are added. Like, the Irock character makes a lot more sense in the in the movie, and I think adds a, a, a great element to the to the movie. Anyway, I like that movie a lot. I don't, I don't know what else to say about it. I did notice in it a couple of new Easter eggs myself. Oh. That I noticed, for example, that in the first time you see the oologists in the in IOI, what on one of the screens they're watching ET, and I didn't notice that before, so I thought that was kind of cool. There's a Beastmaster poster in H's uh, hangout room. Those are the two things I noticed this time. Oh, Andy, like there's a Raiders poster in H's room too. And I, I think I didn't notice before. I think there's also a Will Wheaton picture in H's there room. There is. I think there's the other guy too, the other person who's the. Well, but Will Reaton also reads the audio. But he's also for president in the book. Yeah, yeah, for Cory Doctorow. Yes. Yeah, the other person who's running with him, I think, also has a poster in that room. Cory Doctorow, yes. I don't know who that person is, so I just heard I'm telling you. Yeah, I know. I understand. Thank you, Rob, for supplying that information. That's a weird thing to say to yourself. Um, No one else is going to say it. Okay, James Halliday. Um your interests are valid. If you want. Your your interests are interesting. Everyone should love your interests, and one day they will. By God, come hell or high water, they will. That's what you sound like. Uh, yeah, the movie, the Ready Player One movie, is uh something I really enjoyed. But that's another one where it's like I remember watching it being like, oh, obviously this character is a lady. H is obviously a lady in disguise. It's gonna, I, I can see that reveal coming. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> There's a lot of similarities between the two, like, obviously. And the stuff that they did change, I don't know if I have one that I like more than the other. I think mm-hmm. they're both basically fine. That's not true. I like the I like the, the hunts. 
I like the quests in the movie way better. The quests in the movie summaries. Exactly. And they're not just like like they're not just the same shit. You start with a racing game, makes total sense. It makes total sense why you can't beat it because it defies all logic to do it the way that you think you're supposed to. And then you know, you go through uh, the next one and it also doesn't make any sense and it's also way more clear that it involves like his relationship with Kira which is again something that isn't about his interests it's not about his like his nerdery that you have to be obsessed with it's about his life you have to become his friend like that's the that becomes the more poetic like Greek tragedy of this story is that only in death could this guy find friends and so in, in the only way he could do it is to build this this maze of traps and stuff that only people who were really could be his friends would be able to navigate. Right. That that makes so much more sense in the movie than it does in the book. The book is all about his vanity, it seems like. And in the movie, it's way more about like, I just wanted to have friends my whole life and I never did. And And if this is how I have to get it posthumously, that's... It's heartbreaking because I mean I've been that kid who felt like you didn't you couldn't you could not have friends like there was no way because of your circumstances that you could even make friends and what's the point of making new friends if you're like you know something like if you're gonna move again like military kids have that problem a lot when they move you know if you're active duty like your kids are gonna move every three years or six if you're lucky and that's gonna upset their shit like they are gonna move in the middle of elementary school they're gonna move in the middle of high school or Trooper whatever kids too. Yeah, trooper kids too. Yeah, that that's a thing that happens. Um, I, I had nine different elementary schools. Yeah, I had like I'm trying to think. I had one, two, three, four. Five. I think I only had five different elementary schools. It's not a contest. Three third no, grades though. Three third grades. <laughs> that's pretty intense. The only reason I had that many was because one year the one I the, my real elementary school, the school I was quote zoned for, which makes no sense on a military base was like it was under construction my fourth grade year we had to move to the other one of the other elementary schools like they split three elementary schools on my base Mm -hmm. at minimum they may have more uh but they had three for sure and the one was shut down for remodeling so they moved they split us up and my class went to this other school so i was there for a year so technically i was there for a year so i think i went to was one two three I think maybe, f- maybe four, maybe four elementary schools. I don't know. Anyway. Oh, and that one, that, that my, my sixth grade year, my, my actual school was also under construction. So we went to a, we did the same thing where we had to move to another school completely out of the zone, completely out of like our neighborhood. And then we're like, we had to do our whole schooling in relocatables, which I don't know if you know that in Alaska, that sucks um, to be outside all oh, yeah. day um and uh and then by the halfway mark of that school year our school finished and we got to go to our new school which we only got to be in for three months or whatever so um yeah anyway so i'm i i, I can relate to that feeling of not feeling like you're ever going to have friends because you don't get that luxury you don't right. you don't have childhood friends because they always you're moving you just move so that comes through a lot better in the movie than in the book. So got to give the, uh, the movie that credit. I look forward to seeing the movie again sometime. Well, uh, do you have anything else you'd like to say about ready player one movie or book? No. Then that brings us to a new word alert. 
been so long. I know. It's not going to be a long one, too. It's just one word. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Unexpurgated. Unexpurgated? Unexpurgated. Unexpurgated. It basically means not cut out or not purged, right? Kind of. Because to expurgate uh, something is to remove it, to purge it. That's the purg and expurgate. Sure. What is it that you're specifically removing that you're not removing? That's that's the only thing where I'm not giving it to you fully yet because it's oh, the, oh, the oh. definition I have is like you're specifically not removing something. And it's that it's is it is it not removing or is it putting back? Not removing. Um I don't know. It could be it could as far it could be a paragraph, it could be a blockage, it could be waste. I'd have no idea. It's uh specifically it says not having potentially offensive or otherwise objectionable parts removed. Okay. So so like if you were going to make an airplane version of a movie, it would be expurgate, expurgated, ex, expurgated, gotcha. yeah. Purged. Purged. Purged, but, purged but specifically, But specifically of, like, a f- potentially offensive content. Purged of the X. Sure. There you go. That was a quick new word alert. Sorry, nice. guys. We're not, not getting a lot of new words lately. So, because it's a book wrap party, are you ready to find out what we're going to read next? I am. So here's how we're doing this one for the the what we're gonna read next. Um, it's a bit different. Ready Player Two or Armada? No, neither. Okay. Um, we've already decided we're not doing that because I don't have any interest in them. I okay. feel like Ready Player One probably solved itself, and you read Armada and didn't like it. So, and the all of the Amazon reviews of Ready Player Two sound it, make it sound bad. So also I check out the Amanda the Jedi review on Ready Player Two. Because it also made it sound bad, but she's entertaining. Yeah. So I, so what we're going to do is it's going to be a little bit different how we're going to decide what book we're reading next. We have a, a truncated, shorter list than yeah. we normally do. Normally we have a, uh, we roll a, a, a six-sided die and pick from six books to read. But this time I wanted to do something a little special because we're coming up on our 100th episode, which is insane, which is, which is really silly. And we almost have like a hundred downloads total. So that's really exciting. (laughs) It feels like it's like serendipitous, but I want, I want to do something special. I want to start reading something new and exciting and big on 100. Okay. So in order to do that, we have to read a short book because we only have three more episodes until we hit 100. So, I think this is 96, right? So we have 97, 98, and 99. That's three more episodes. Right. So we have to read something. To start that's... on 100. We need right. Yes. So I have three short, four short books here that uh, I've selected because I think we can make any one of them work in that time frame. Okay. Do you have a four-sided chance cube or diamond or whatever that would be? Yeah, I do. It's called a, a D4. It is a... Pyramid, it's a, of course. It's a pyramid. As I should have realized. You said triangle. That's close enough. Mm, I said um, diamond, too. I mean... So... Idiot. Let's let's start <laughs> let's let's start talking about which books are in the option. Uh, so, a little bit of a heavy sci-fi theme, but here we go. Uh, in the number one slot, we're going to have H.G. Wells' The War of the Worlds. Okay. Never read it. Never read it. Never read it. I've never read it. Um, then we're going to go with uh, Robert A. Heinlein's Starship Troopers in slot number two. Never read it. Never read it. Ooh. That's two. I've seen slot- the movie, but I understand they're vastly different. In slot number three, we're going to go with 
John Windham's The Day of the Triffids. Never read it. Same. It's hailed as the greatest science fiction masterpiece of our time. How could you go wrong? I know there's a movie about it that's supposed to be great, and as we may have talked about before, it's referenced in Science Fiction Double Feature, the song from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Picture Show. What did I say? No, you said that. I was I was adding the rest of the song title. Oh, Picture Show. You want to go? Oh, oh. And lastly, Charles Portis's True Grit. Awooga, what? I was not expecting that. You weren't expecting this piece. I was not. I also never read it. That's actually... I'm I'm hoping that comes up. (laughs) But I'm sure any of them will be fun. Yeah, I'm sure too. Um, But that that was just like a... Oh, that that threw me for a loop. It was was strange and new and exciting. Yeah. Like I said, mostly science fiction. I couldn't find a fourth short science fiction book, so I grabbed True Grit because I want to... Sure. I really like that the movie, the the Coen Brothers movie, and I'd like to read the book and see if it's great. So... I'm going to roll it like here, I guess, so you can see it. I'm, I'm not sure you'll be able to pick up what it is, but I'll, I, I, I I'll, will trust you. I'll, I'll pick it up and make sure that you get to see it uh, without it, without molesting it. So here we go. Oh man. So exciting. It's just, I, I like kind of don't want to drop it. Cause I'm afraid that when I drop it, it's going to be like Schrodinger's die and whatever it lands. As long as I don't drop it, it can be any one of these things. Yes. But when I drop it, it's definitely one of them. Yes. Oh God. Okay. Here we go. It's the top it? one. Oh, it's four. It's four. It's true grit. It's true grit. <laughs> Are you sure you didn't cheese? I just showed you. I, I you, I you mean, watched it happen. I don't. You're you. Who knows what tricks you have? That's pretty impressive. That's exciting. Clearly, we have some sort of power over uh, life, the universe, and everything. And the I last two I were kind of weird things. They were. Well, yeah. Jurassic Park even. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think that, like, Raptor Red was sort of a forced one because we were like, well, we got to have the trilogy. And then, like, well, Tarzan, was, was, yeah. the, Tarzan was the only one that was like, I guess, why not? <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so, uh, let me yes, see if I, I can... will look into getting this tooth sweet. Next episode, we will be reading through the. All right, this doesn't really have, like, chapter numbers or anything or even really an easy way to delineate them. Mm hmm. If you're if you're ready to take a note, I can tell you where we will stop reading in the best way I can. Okay. Okay, so uh read up to and do not read further than the chapter that do not read the chapter that starts with the word dinner time. There's no uh It's clearly first... a chapter though. Yeah, I think so cuz like here's what it looks like in my book. There's this big indentation at the top. You see this white yeah. space? Yeah. That sure feels know. like a chapter break. Okay. And it just it isn't numbered in my book, so I don't know what they're what they're called. But yeah, that's it'll be my book actually the first page of actual text mm-hmm. starts on page 13 and for me that goes to page 96, so that'll be 83 pages. That well, doesn't feel impossible. It's on Hoopla, so I will start reading it right away. Fantastic. All right. Weird. Didn't expect this. Uh, I mean, I kind of, I put it in the, I don't expect it anytime. It's, it's, it's a random thing, but I'm pretty excited. All right. So glad we're done with Ready Player One. I'm glad I've read it. I'm glad I finally checked it off my bucket list and we'll see you next time. So I, I think that was Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. Thanks for listening. Thank you. 
If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. These reviews help new listeners find us and join the discussion. Follow us on Twitter and like our new Facebook page for Death Readers News. Become a patron at Patreon slash Death Readers. And please discuss us extensively on Reddit. Oh, well, that's... What, what, I don't want to get into an argument with you, so I won't even ask that question. Um, well, go ahead, ask it. Nope. I want. I want to. Hear, I want to hear what it was. Oh no, it's so fine. I just. It, I don't want to get into a fight. I promise I won't get in an argument with you. Yeah, but like you're a liar. I'm not. First off, what are you doing right now? Arguing with me. Uh, but I'm not a liar. But here's the thing. I've trapped you. Either you don't argue, mm. and I call you a liar, or you argue. Mm. That you're not a liar, which means you're arguing. Therefore, you lied about not arguing. I wasn't arguing then, which is all I was saying. When? When I said I wasn't arguing. Yeah, but then you proceeded to argue. Right. Thus engaging my argumentative response. You see, I live in the moment, the present, right now. How often has that line worked for you? Because you use it with me. Uh, I'll tell you what. It's it's worked every time in the moment I've used it. I can't talk about the past because i don't live there so i don't know but uh in the in the essence of the moment that i'm in works every time no (laughs) so what were we gonna ask or say that that was just precipitate an argument about me eating too much grease uh have you considered frying or or, uh, baking all those things instead of frying them fuck you and also my fingers are crossed a child. <laughs> uh, and then, if you're again, if this is your first time listening, because this is the book rat party, at the end of this episode, we're gonna figure out what we're reading next. Rob, he doesn't even know what's on the table. He doesn't even I know what we could possibly be reading. I don't. My my only like, okay, can you tell me this? Okay. Is there any chance we're going to skip choosing a book and just move on to Ready Player Two? No. Oh, thank God. No, I, I want to make sure you understand that that's not going to happen. Okay. Okay. That's... But we could have saved that for the end of the episode. I had to know now. We could I have cut saved this that. out and put it at the end of the okay. episode. And we'll say. We could also just cut this part out and then just do it again later. That would be a lie. No, it would be a performance. <sighs> Perhaps my greatest performance. Yes, if if that's the grease I have to to lube you up with to get you past this, I will. Yes, you Rob, perhaps about lubing me up with grease a lot lately. No, I haven't. It's <laughs> this the second is the time. First... It's the second time this week you brought it up. When? What was the first time? I don't remember. Because it didn't happen. It seemed like you were having some difficulty in the conversation. I can't imagine why. <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of this episode, book rap party, you were saying. Look, again, I live in the moment. That moment was gastronomic delight. This moment is suffering. I feel like the thing is that what I hear when you say I live in the moment is mm-hmm. a poorly veiled, not even thinly, just poorly veiled <laughs> attempt at trying to turn I don't really think about things before I do them <laughs> into like a standard <laughs> like like a like a like a banner that you would you know proudly wave uh i'm just all i know i i mean i could speak to that 
but that's already in the past, and I'm just very present. House Rob, we live in the moment. Mm. House Rob's actually, yeah, no, fine. <laughs> I'm not going to argue with you because I'm not argumentative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You still have the digital code because I could take that and then I could watch the movie. I don't think that came with one. I think that was one of those weird things about it. Um, plus, you already have borrowed so many of my movies you haven't watched that, you know, you'd have to watch those first before I lend you something else. I don't want to let be lent it. I want to be given the digital code. I don't have the code. You can't be given well, something I don't I have. That's what I asked for. Okay. Well, I could also lend... My, my solution was okay, I could that's lend a, you the that, movie. That's a new topic that has not been discussed until we've taken care so of So the watching this. of the movie isn't the important part. It's the obtaining a free digital yes. code that's the important part. Cool. Yes. I can't do that for you. I understand that now. Good. Me too. But that's old business and we can't discuss new business until next quarter. What's that from? Oh... You know me well. Um, Adam's family. That's what it is. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And I, I knew it. I knew it. Yeah. But I was like Then you gotta be Dan Hedday and go, next quarter Next quarter Anyway. Fine lunge, but you're a post. A tad rusty. Okay. <laughs> this weird rabbit hole. Weird weird <laughs> tangent you went on there. Um what were we talking about? Because <laughs> you've the movie, you the movie. Um, so I bought 